O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to, to the Lord, bless his name, pro proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Now verses 7 through 9. Give to the Lord families of the people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Our first song this evening will be number 71. Number 71.
Father, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you bestowed on us. Thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you give us each and every day. Lord, please be with um, the military and please be with our president as he makes good decisions. Lord, please be with uh, the elders and deacons. Help them to reach out to others, Lord, that don't know your word and help them, Lord. Please be with uh, our shut-ins and everyone, Lord, that needs you, Lord. Help them to be able to come back to you. Thank you, Lord, for all the many blessings that you've given us. Forgive us our sins. Help us to go along in the new year and read our Bible each and every day. And forgive us our sins. It's your name. Amen. Let's sing, let's sing number 300, number 300. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed redeemer. Sing over his wonderful love proclaim.
303. 303. We'll sing it through twice. to mark the invitation song, it'll be number 945, 945, and then we turn to number 662. We'll sing the first and third verses of number 662 before the lesson. If you will please stand as we sing. First speaker this evening will be Jerry Burkhart. His subject is spiritual focus. In preparation for this message, I call your attention to Matthew chapter seven, verse seven through ten. That's 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 10. In the Pew Bible, that's page 854. That's 854. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will be give him a serpent. Good evening. Uh, my name is Jeremy, Jeremy Burkhart, and it, it is a privilege to be up here tonight to speak to y'all. Uh, I really appreciate Mr. Doug and all that he's done. Um, Foundations was a very, you know, it, it, was, it was a good thing. It was, it was very nice to learn all the things that we learned in there and to hear all the speakers that came to speak to us. I just want to say that. But tonight I'm going to be speaking about spiritual focus. And I have this short story I want to tell you real quick. Bang. An, Ameri an American, Matthew Emmons, fired at the wrong target on the verge of a victory in the Olympic men's 50-meter rifle three-position target event to, dis to surrender an almost certain medal to China's Jawa Zalbo on Sunday. Emmons was almost an uncatchable three points ahead as he took his last shot, but got an extraordinary zero when, he, when his final bullet completely missed and he dropped out of the competition into eighth. Michael Antini of the United States moved into second place to win a silver med the silver medal and Australia's Christina Planer jumped to third, third place for the bronze. There was an initial confusion with a puzzled Emmons checking his rifle, believing there was a scoreboard malfunction. Before the, judge, the judges concluded, he had fi he'd fired at the target of Planer, shooting in the lane right of him. Stuff happens, said an accountant stu student Emmons, 23. He was going for a second gold in the games, having won the 50-meter rifle prone. That's sports. That's the Olympics. I shot a crossfire and I didn't deserve the gold. With no score for Emmons on the scoreboard, officials quickly went to the American standing in lane two and, and examined his rifle. They were about to order him to shoot again, but before that happened, they noticed that two shots were registered on the target in lane three. They ruled Emmons had fired at the wrong target and gave him a score of zero. I thought it was just a target malfunction, which sometimes happens. I didn't think it could be a crossfire because that almost never happens. The officials thought the shot didn't register for some reason and wanted to make me shoot again. Then they noticed there were two shots on the other target. It was first thought that Emmons had inadvertently helped Planer to win the bronze with his wayward last shot. The Australian had been in fifth place and when he would, was credited with his final shot a bullseye. But officials studying replays later determined that Planer had indeed scored the bullseye. Which on had Emmons hit the spot on his own target that he had hit on Planer's target, which would have been an 8.6 in score, would have been enough for him to win the gold. Usually I look through the scope at the number above the target which I had been given and look back down at the target. This time I didn't. 
I was so distracted by all the, the hype of winning the gold medal that I did not look at the number. I should have looked. You think that when you're going for a gold medal, you would have all the focus in the world. But many times, things catch you off guard and you just get distracted. And that's much like our Christian life, our walk with God. In my lesson, I came up with this catchphrase, aim his way, the right way. I thought it was pretty clever myself. But <laughs> basically, I just took the word, the focus, I, I like, and I used an acronym out of it. And my first word that starts with the letter F is faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Well, faithfulness is trust and reliance totally upon God. And putting your Lord first and walking in the light with God. If you would like to turn with me to 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us all of all of our sin. This shows us that we need to walk in our light, walk in the light as part of faithfulness. And the next letter is the O, is obedience. So we have faithfulness, and then we have obedience. Obedience. Obedience is what can get us into the kingdom of God. Only the obedient will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is found in Matthew verse, or chapter 7, verse 21. Let me read that for you real quick. That's Matthew 7, 21. Let's see. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of of the Father will enter heaven. Now I want to go to heaven. That sounds like a, a good plan to me. And another part of getting into heaven is we have to love our Lord. I love my Lord. I hope we all love our Lord. Another verse that supports this is, sorry, we're gonna be jumping around. It's John 14. John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, you will obey what I have commanded, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. These verses show that we will not be alone if we obey our Lord. He will send the spirit of truth to us, and he, we will not be alone. And he will show us the way. And that is a part of obedience. And the next letter is C, which I chose to be for courage. So we have faithfulness, obedience, and courage. And the verse I found for courage is in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13, or chapter 16, verse 13 through 14. B 
Be on your guard and stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. Many times in, in life, we're going to have stuff thrown at us, and it's just going to knock us off our, our feet, you know. Many people go through that more than they should, more than they deserve. But we have to have courage. We have to stand strong in our faith. Another point is that everyone will see persecu persecution. As Paul wrote this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 12. telling Timothy not to worry that everybody sees this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we're all going to see stuff in our lives, and we just have to have the courage to get through these things as part of our focus. Moving on, the U stands for unity. And I say this, maybe not to the individual, but as this group here, as our church, we have to be unified. And just like Jesus said, our body has many parts. Like he well, let's see, Jesus didn't say that. In 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 12, this wasn't Jesus, but the body has many parts. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though, it, and though all of its parts make one body. So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the spirit to drink. So as a church, we have to be unified. And I, I say this, starting a new year, we have to be focused on all these things throughout this next year, just to leave or to lead a Christian life. Unity in faith. I'm gonna skip over to Ephesians. Ephesians four, if you want to go with me. Ephesians four, eleven through thirteen. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be some to be evangelists some to be pastors, and some to be teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach that unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. So it says here that we have to, the church has to be unified. We have to, we have to support one another. We have to be each other's friends. And for the last letter, the S, focus. We have faithfulness, obedience, courage, unity. And the last letter is S, and it stands for Satan. Satan's going to try and trip us up. He's what we need courage against. He can appear to be the best thing in the world. He can appear as an angel of light, as it says in 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And here he's talking about false apostles. The other, well, actually it was last night, I was 
I was at work, and I worked with this man. Well, he's not a man, but he's a young man. He's about 18, and he's always getting himself into trouble. He's probably going to be fired. But uh, the other night, he was, he was gluing a quarter to the floor, and I'm sitting there watching him, and uh, it's, it's just a little gas station where we're working. People come in, you know, they pay for their gas, and they'll leave. It's that focus, you know. They, they don't want to be there. They just want to get in and get out. So he glued this cord to the floor, and it was amazing how many people stopped to try and pick it up. But they couldn't, you know. And it's they were something as small as a quarter could distract them from that focus of going in and getting out. And I was just, it surprised me that maybe my life is like that, how I can be easily distracted by some things. And I hope that I can bring something like that to your attention so that maybe you won't make that mistake. But to close up, I'm going to talk about the verse that Jason read for me. Uh, the road is narrow. The road is very narrow, and we have to be focused. We have to aim his way the right way, and we have to be focused on that. So throughout this next year, I challenge you to be focused and aim his way. Our second speaker this evening will be Jordan Huddleston. His subject is virtue. In preparation for this message, I will call your attention to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. That's page 1079 in your pew Bibles. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add unto your faith and virtue, and to virtue knowledge. During foundations, uh, different speakers would come to us and talk to us how to not only be a leader, but how to uh, how to get get these qualities. Uh, to be an excellent leader, how to uh, command people and in a good way and uh, be a good leader. But also, we didn't just talk about how to be a, a leader. We, at the end of every session, we would talk about what we like to call an element of power, or what David likes to call uh, parts of a spiritual lens. And uh, tonight, we're going to focus on the first one, virtue. And I bring this question up, uh, what is virtue? It's not really a subject that's really covered a lot. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's only the word virtue itself is only in the Bible three times, two of which are, are in Second Peter. But uh, I think as we uh, continue on, we'll figure out, we'll find out that the concept of virtue can be found throughout the whole Bible. Webster defines virtue as having moral excellence or having the conformity 
to stand up for what is right. Uh, I try to think of someone in the Bible that I thought of, of having good virtue and standing up for what is right, and I found one in Genesis 6. Genesis 6, if you'll just hold a finger here, we'll be coming back, but let's start in Genesis 6, verse 5. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. The scenario is set as... Man begins to multiply on the earth, so does the wickedness and evil multiply in their heart. And it gets to the point of which God is ready to wipe out almost all life on the earth. But let's, let's continue reading to find out uh, mankind's only hope. Verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked, Noah walked with God. How many of us, in some time of our life, have found ourselves in a group of people where, through peer pressure, we have made a decision that we know was wrong and was sinful? Just a group of five or six people. Imagine if that group of five or six people turned into the whole population of the world. How hard would it be to resist the temptations of the world with practically no one to look up to and stand by? This is the same predicament that Noah finds himself in. But still, Noah remained just, and he, he walked with God, and I believe we can learn a lot by looking at, a lot about our virtue, by looking at the life of Noah. Let's flip back to Second Peter. Second Peter, verse three. This is one of the few instances where virtue is actually in the Bible. Uh, starting in verse 3, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Him being God, called us by glory and virtue. Peter is right here in giving God characteristic of virtue. And if we think about it, it's very, it's very evident that God does have this characteristic of virtue, characteristic of virtue, by his actions. Uh, leave a marker here and let's turn to Leviticus 20. Leviticus 20. We're going to see here not only God's, a little bit of God's characteristic virtue, but also what he, he demands of his people and how they should have virtue. Starting in verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel were of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who give any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people, because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. Before we go any further, for uh, most of the people who don't know who Molech is, it's a, a man-made god who required child sacrifice in order to please and worship this god. So. Let's continue and find out what God demands of his people. Verse 4, And if, any of the, if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man 
when he gives some of his descendants to Molech, and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man, against his family, and I will cut him off from his people, and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. Sacrificing children is obviously an immoral act, and part of virtue's definition is having moral excellency. And it's obvious if you see somebody going to commit this, this evil act, and God's commanded you to kill this man, and you don't, God's going to punish you for it, and that's part of the virtue God demands of his people. And it wasn't just for the, the children of Israel. Again, verse 2, it says, whoever the children of Israel or the strangers who dwell in Israel. So God wants this command for, for all people and not just his, his children oh, of Israel. I mean, everybody says children. Uh, but what are the benefits for adding not only faith, but also the other elements of, of uh, power, such as knowledge and self-control, perseverance and love? What are the benefits of doing this? Uh, Peter, not, including what David said this morning, Peter writes about it still in the first chapter of 2 Peter in verses 9 through 11. Uh, starting in verse 9, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be ever more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that right there, by adding these things to, by having these things in our faith and our life, we are given, we are promised entrance into heaven. Last year, there were roughly 150 invitations offered in this pulpit. This is the second of this year, and it may be the last for any of us. We, may, we are not given tomorrow. If you have not been baptized, please, as Peter said, be ever diligent to make your call and election sure for some entrance will be supplied for you in heaven. So if you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to do so tonight. And if you have been baptized, but somewhere along the way you've, you've, you've stumbled away from God and you're and you're struggling in your life and you request the prayers of the church, or if we can help you in any way, you'll be received by an elder as we sin and as we sing. Kneel at the cross, Christ is dead, he is for
haven't already had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper this, mor this morning, uh, it's been repaired across the hallway in the fellowship hall. Uh, if you'd like to make your way there as we sing number 346. Number 346. I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever it may say. I see His hand of mercy, I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. and pass them to the inside aisles. Uh, the young soldiers will pick those up as we sing number 683. All four verses. Brother Pat Hackney will have our closing prayer after we sing this song. Outstanding day, just a wonderful day of worship and praise to God. 
This afternoon, our middle school age boys led the worship service under the direction of Lex Kanatzer up at the uh, health care, did a wonderful job. And then as we close this evening,